Welcome to the Better Together Life podcast. A full-time family building a Texas homestead from scratch. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to episode seven of the Better Together Life podcast. I know that the last two weeks you have not heard from Kelly, and I'm very sorry about that. It is just it just kind of happened to where the last two weeks I needed to take some older YouTube videos and put them over on the podcast just because the content was so good. When we were starting the podcast, it was my goal to make the first 10 episodes the absolute best content that I could offer you. And last week and this week were just happened to be some older YouTube videos that we already had that I think is going to bring you so much value. So today is going to be an old, old video that I actually recorded a video conference with Daniel Arms from the Arms Family Homestead. And to be perfectly honest, whenever we did this, this was before Daniel completely blew up on YouTube and now he is just huge, huge, huge. He has one of the best YouTube channels in this homesteading genre. You got to go check him out, Arms Family Homestead. And what we're going to be talking about today is something that Daniel is an expert at, and that is goats. And specifically, Daniel knows how to make a profit with goats. And whenever I was brainstorming with him, the topic that we were going to talk on the YouTube video was we have a our property, our seven acre property here in Central Texas is about, I always say it's like 60% wooded. So we have a lot of wood, brush and, you know, woody weeds that we need to be able to clear out. We have uh, some really gorgeous oaks here on our property and we need a lot of help to be able to clear that out and so that we can actually expose the gorgeous oaks. And I wanted to talk with Daniel about how to have a profitable goat operation that is based off of clearing land. Here we go. This is Daniel Arms from the Arms Family Homestead talking about can clearing land with goats be profitable? Daniel, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. I almost overslept your call this morning. I never sleep in. But I had work last night and got all, I didn't get home till after midnight. And uh, usually I'm up at six o'clock when the sun pops up, I'm out of bed. And this morning I woke up at 7.30 kind of in a panic. Thought I was gonna miss our call. Well, yeah, man. Just to let you know about like, like both of our audiences of why you popped into my mind to do our, my first little collaboration video. Cause what this is aimed at is Kelly and I have zero experience of anything of what we're doing with how, how to grow our own food or animals at all. And we are, we still have a little while, we still have, you know, six months until we're able to even make that process, that, that process. Cause we just don't have a newborn. So what I'm wanting to do is to get these videos and interviews with, with you guys that are actually doing it. And the reason why I thought of right. you first was because whenever we first started talking, you said that you didn't even, you never heard of the word or term homesteading until it became trendy. 
like that was just something that, right. that you grew up with that this is just your life of, right. of having animals and having a garden that that's just life yeah and that's exactly right i mean i'd heard of the word homesteading but i didn't know people in today's world really use that a lot mm-hmm. um and i'd never associated what we were doing with the word homesteading because and maybe i'm wrong but when i think of the word homesteader i think of like the Alaska mountain men that, that go out and chop down their trees and they build a cabin and they live off the land 100%. And, and it really wasn't until I got deeper into YouTube and realized there's a huge community of like-minded people mm-hmm. that all associate with that word homesteading. And like I said, I'd never called this place a homestead. This was just home. There was no stead. It was just home. And yeah. that's kind of way I grew up. I grew up on this property. Um, and, and left and went to school and, and worked for several years. My dad passed away and then we moved back. But the word homestead or homesteading really, like I said, I didn't, I didn't dive into that until I got into this community of so many awesome, incredible people that, that are doing the same things that we're doing, whether they're, some of them are in town mm-hmm. on a small lot. Some of them are on a half acre. Some of them are on a ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got 110 acres. And really most of it's just hunting property. We only use, I mean, I use all of it, but as far as the gardens and the goats and all that, I mean, we use a very small portion of it. So I think a lot of people get, get in this, this thought in their mind that they're not going to be able to live off, you know, live off the land, so to speak, or for a percentage of their food if they don't have a huge plot of land. But YouTube is awesome. And I've learned so much about so many people who are growing you know, the majority of their food off of, you know, a small, very, very small piece of land. So let, I'll follow up with that. Like if you, if you had to scale it all the way down as, as, as much as you could, what do you think, how much property you think that you would need in order to grow 50% of your food? Whether, whether someone who, who's really doing this, like, you know, that might not be you, but if someone that wants to really grow 50% or right. more of their food, how much property do you think you would need in terms of animals it, it just, and garden? It, yeah, it just depends. If you're if you're talking about raising animals, then it's going to take a little more land. If you're just just gardening and and just producing, you know, um, fruits and vegetables, gosh, you know, way less than an acre, you can do so mm-hmm. much. I've got I've got a neighbor who's a market gardener who, for the last seven or eight years, they've lived on a half an acre and they're wow. making a living because they follow so many of these uh like organic um mm-hmm. market gardeners uh jean martin and curtis stone they, they grow like those guys so they grow mm-hmm. an, an enormous amount of food on such a very small piece of land but if you're going to bring animals into it um you know goats don't take up a lot of room but most people once they get into this they're not going to want to be buying feed every day so they're obviously going to need some pastures that they can rotational graze to keep the parasites down and the grass in good shape. Goats or sheep um, aren't going to take up a lot of space. You can do that on a relatively small piece of land, you know, five acres. I think yours is going to be what, seven? Yeah. If you, if you have it, you know, cross fenced where you can rotate, um, you can raise a lot of animals on a small piece of property. Now cows, if you're going to get into cattle, I'm not an expert on cattle, but we raise one or two every now and then to butcher. But, Mm we can raise one steer or heifer or whatever it is, get it up to 1,100, 1,200 pounds and butcher. And it lasts us two years. So one, one animal will last us two years. And we're a family of five. 
Yeah. Um, now that's not eating at home every single day, but because we're busy, our kids are all involved in sports, so we're out and about a lot. But you know, a twelve hundred pound steer will last you a long time. But you know, you could raise if you just bought one and raised it and tried to grass feed it. I mean, it wouldn't take. I mean, you could do it on less than less than five acres for sure. Just strictly grass fed if you manage your grass right. So, so how much does it if you buy just a a, a calf, a steer, like how much does that cost? Just buying well, that. It depends. It depends on the market in your area. It's so most of them usually always sold by the pound, unless you mm-hmm. just get to know a local producer and say, "Hey, I want to buy one animal," you know, just to just to raise and butcher. Um, and it really depends on the size. Um, I want to say right now, most most everything around our area is about two dollars a pound. Okay. So if you buy a, a two hundred pound steer, you're going to spend way less than if you buy you know, one that's say 800 pounds. Yeah. Uh, but an 800 pound steer, you're not going to have to raise for near as long to get to a butcher weight. So exactly. Okay. It's hard to say, you know, everything's different with different breeds and, um, what, what breed did y'all do? It's really a cross breed. I've got a cousin that raises show animals. So mm-hmm. he's huge in the show circuit with all of his nieces and he doesn't have kids, but he has tons of nieces and nephews. And he raises, he'll do artificial breeding. So he takes, he'll take a cow that he may go off and buy that's from, from a, you know, a show line and they'll do an embryo flush, pull mm-hmm. all the embryos, artificially breed them, and then put those embryos in um, recipient cows. Wow. It's a very technical process, but you're talking about making tens of thousands of dollars per calf anyways. Yeah. So he, what he does is if he has a show calf that doesn't sell, you know, that, that no one comes by because it doesn't quite meet the line of show stock, mm-hmm. then he sells those cheaper. So that's where we usually get our one or two. And we don't have one right now because we've got, you know, a whole freezer full of beef and we haven't started another one. So, wow. But this is supposed to be a, a goats. <laughs> I know, man, you start talking about cattle. I'm like, man, that's, that's what I would eventually love to be able to do that. I just, I I like hamburgers a whole lot. Uh, and and that's the thing we 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 mostly eat beef. My family doesn't prefer goat. We've eaten goat and it actually tastes good. But the thing with beef, you can raise one animal, butcher it, and you're good. Like I said, we're good for almost two years. Mm-hmm. Goats, you're talking about butchering a fifty or seventy five pound animal versus you know one that's over a thousand. So you would be butchering a lot more goats and my family's just not, I, I don't mind. I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll butcher our chickens or rabbits or whatever, but my family's not quite, I mean, not quite there yet. Well, so, okay. Maybe someday, so, that, but. so that leads, so that's a great lead into what I really wanted to talk to you about because a lot of this came from your video and I'll put a link up at the, in the description thing. And I never really thought I, I just, nobody has ever done a video or like I haven't seen something that talks about here are goats that we raised and we sold them. And I met, you know, that you made money from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where, and then, so I think it was that. And then also around about that time, I think Justin Rhodes was at Joel Salatin's farm, Polyface Farms, and he said something about goats that like 
um, that it usually takes about five years for someone to really get the, uh, the groove of, of raising goats. And at about that time is whenever the goats have ate themselves out of a job. Um, because they, they've eaten all the, you know, all the forage. I mean, they, they've, they've cleared your land of all the brush and everything that's there. And again, I have no idea what I'm talking about. That's why you're here. So that got me to think, I'm like, man, I just need to be able to talk to Daniel and, and see what your thought is on, on goats. Cause my property is seven acres. It's in central Texas. You're in Southern Oklahoma, right? Central Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Yeah, okay. So it's not that far. I mean, it's not that much of a difference. Of course, it's a little bit different. But as I look in, you know, at your property right now, it reminds me of of a lot of places in Texas. But if you were to advise someone to say like, hey, Mm -hmm. we want to be able to have goats as a slightly smaller, easier to handle animal for to be around kids and um, just to kind of cut our teeth with with a bigger animal because we're right now we're just having rabbits and to have those animals clear the property and not give us the biggest headache. I don't know that I, I, we haven't really decided if we're interested in milking goats. A lot of people I've talked to, they like art and Brie, I talked to them and they said that their, their, their goat's milk is okay. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, maybe they love it now. But it didn't. It didn't really seem like people are loving goat's milk as much as it's, you know, supposed to be. So, you raising goats, and they did a job for you, and you sold them for meat. Instead of trying to, instead of being forced to eat them yourself, you made money off of them. So, if you could tell us your story and and anything like that. Okay. So for us, we we switched to goats. Let's see. My daughter, Emily, is nine now. We got our first goats when she was about two. And it, it really started off. One day, my wife came home and was like, hey, some guy asked me if I wanted two bottle baby goats for Emily. And I was really, I I my parents had goats when I was a little bitty kid. I was raised on goat's milk. I didn't want to milk goats, but she said, oh, these are just two pygmy goats that, that are somebody you know their mama didn't take them and they're needing somebody to bottle feed them because these people don't have time i said okay bring them home she brings them home literally in a diaper box there's two baby goats they're pygmy goats are a very small breed anyways but these babies were literally like the size of a little yorkie at the time and they were the cutest little things ever and we started raising them on a bottle and it was cold so we kind of had them in like a dog crate in our house at night and then we let them out and during the day in our yard that was perfect until they got a couple months old and they're old enough to jump on everything and they tore up our grill and anything you put on the porch they were pooping on and so then they got moved down to the barn and their names were johnny and june and they were just two goats i mean we just for no real reason other than pets but our kids fell in love with them my wife really enjoyed them and we had had cattle oh my dad had cattle on this property for several years it's 110 acres, but it's so brushy, it would only support about 10 to 12. And any more than that, there wasn't enough grass, so then you were buying too much hay. Well, just naturally, after my dad passed away, I kind of just took over the cattle herd. And it was like, all right, so we can only have 10 or 12. 
they cost us more money than we're making because we're having to buy hay and feed all winter long. It, it just wasn't, I wasn't expecting to make a lot of money on those cows, but it was like in the negative big time. So what's the point? So we had those two goats. I said, well, why don't we get a few more goats? So we just kind of blindly went out and bought a few goats here and there. And they were just kind of just run of the mill, just whatever somebody had for sale on the internet at the time or in the newspaper or somebody was giving away a couple of goats, you know, and they really weren't worth much at all. And so we kind of slowly started building and then we thought, well, if we're going to do this, are we going to eat them? Are we, we're not going to milk them because we don't have time to, for the schedule of milk goats. But if we're going to do this, why don't we start getting, you know, into a, a breed of goats that are actually worth a little bit of money. So we got into boars. Boar goats are the white with the red head that they're originally from South Africa, but, but they're a meat goat and they are probably the most popular breed of meat goats in, in the United States nowadays. And that's what 4-H and FFA kids show in, in, in their livestock shows. Well, we started getting into those and they're very high maintenance. They're not real good mothers. They, they just, they get worms really bad. They're really susceptible to parasites. You have to trim their hooves all the time, but they're worth a little more. Well, so we did that for a couple of years and it's not, it's not like we were trying to go out and just make a huge income off of them, but I didn't want them to be in the negative. Well, Kiko goats kind of got started popping up in our area. There were a few people, goats got really popular in Oklahoma. I don't know, three or four years ago, they just exploded. The goat market just blew up. Everyone was starting to buy goats, and I, I really didn't know why. Um, but a lot of people were switching to Kikos, so I started researching Kikos. They were originally a feral goat from New Zealand, I believe. They were kind of taken in and crossbred with a couple other um, breeds to kind of make them more, more of a domestic animal. Um, and the Kikos aren't parasite. They don't, they don't have any parasite problems. You don't have to trim their hooves. They do really, really, really well on natural browse mm -hmm. and just grazing. They don't require as much feed to put on weight as, as a boar goat. So we kind of started making that transition and Kikos are, are getting really popular right now. And I, I really like them. They're they're since they were a feral goat, you know, originally, they're the best mothers I've ever seen. I mean, they, I, my, most of my um, babies are born right around the 1st of January, mm -hmm. which it's still, I mean, Oklahoma is not just super cold, but we still have below freezing and you never know when the an afternoon snow is going to come in. And, you know, I've seen babies born with snow on the ground and the mama just gets them up, cleans them off and off they go. They do excellent. They just don't require much help. So for us, I was looking for something that was low maintenance that doesn't require a lot of input because the less money I put into them, the more I make on the back end when I sell. Yeah. And, it, and it's not about trying to make a huge income for us. We're, we're on this farm and I want to keep the, the, the biggest thing for us really is, is we want to keep that farm exemption on our taxes so we can write things off on our taxes. So the goats, if I tallied it up at the end of the year, everything I put into them versus everything I make profit, you know, it's not like, wow, we made a couple thousand dollars profit, 
but when you when you figure in what we get to keep on our taxes having that farm exemption really really helps us because we can write off so many things that we need to use and do on our property with the tractor and you know things like that so it's not all about okay let's go out and buy 50 goats because they're going to all sell a baby and raise 50 babies and all make you know $200 per kid and we're going to make all this money it's about us it's about okay let's make a little bit of profit but have a way to keep that farm exemption because i know um the channel homesteady i don't know if you follow him or not homesteady he did he does a like a live shows and podcasts all the time but he was talking about um they have to in his state which i want to say it's like somewhere in the northeast i'm not exactly sure i can't quote where he's from but they have to have two thousand dollars in income to keep their farm exemption so for them he raises pigs meat pigs to sell to other people for you know for pork and that allows him to keep his farm exemption oklahoma doesn't necessarily have to have a specific income number but i like to be able to show i'm at least making an effort on my farm to produce something to make an income yeah do they call oklahoma call it a farm exemption because texas everybody calls it a ag exemption like well, in Oklahoma, it's just the the slang term is just a farm exemption. Okay. I mean, technical technical terms probably an ag exemption. Okay, um, it doesn't have to be animals. You could be producing hay or yeah. vegetables or or whatever it is. But the goats, for me, like I said, I've got all this brush. We live. I mean, you can see behind me. It's all just timber, other than what I clear out just with mm-hmm. the tractor. Um, and the goats do a really good job of keeping the the undergrowth trimmed up you know five or six feet tall they love leaves they would i mean everybody says a goat will eat anything that is so not true a a goat will eat anything if he has to if you pin him up and he's forced in a small pen to eat what's there he'll eat almost anything but if you turn them out where they have room to roam 99 times out of 100 they'll walk around and pick all the leaves off the trees before they ever eat grass off the ground yeah so that's why people do rotational grazing. If you've got a small property, if you just turn all of your animals out on five acres, they're going to go around and just pick. They're like, they're going to be like a little kid. Mm-hmm. If you just turn a little kid loose in your kitchen, you know, and say, go find supper, they're going to eat ice cream and cookies yeah. until it's all gone. But if you rotate pastures with those goats and you go, all right, you've got this half acre for the next couple of days, that's all Joel Salton preaches. I mean, that's what Joel Salton's about. That's why he does all the rotational grazing with his cattle. Turn them out on a small property or a small piece of land. They're going to eat what's there tomorrow. They, and they just, you know, do the same thing. Is that what you're doing on your property? Are you ro- rotational I, grazing? I'm them? not doing a rotational grazing because I've got 110 acres and yeah. only 25 goats. They will never run out of food. I mean, gotcha. I, I, my, I've, I've got way more land than I need, honestly, mm-hmm. and way less goats than, than it'll hold. Um, they'll never eat all the brush. And I don't plan on ever filling this hundred acres up with goats because yeah. I, I'm, that's, I'm not trying to be a full-time goat farmer. Well, you, you the, want, the land, you, it's hunting property. Right. The land I live on is, 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 is hunting property first for me. I grew up hunting. I'm, I, I love I love hunting. That's just a passion of mine. I'm actually a little plug for something else. I'm actually on the pro staff of a nationally airing hunting show. It's called Final Descent Outdoors. Awesome. And a friend of mine started it several years ago. It's a 
it's a Christian based hunting show and there is actually a five minute, three to five minute devotional at the end of every episode. Dude, so, awesome. yeah, we're on the pursuit channel. So check it out. Pursuit channel is on dish network, direct TV, everything. So final descent outdoors. Great. Yeah. Great. Send me, a link. Send me a link and I'll put it down in the description. Okay. So that's, like I said, hunting and fishing is what I grew up doing. The farming, as far as the goats go, that's just a small piece of what this property is about. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's a little different than if you were going to do it on five acres. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so have you, if, if you were to rotationally graze, how, how do you think you would do that? Because I, my property is pretty rectangular. I mean, it's, it's more, right. it's long North and South. And so going East and West is, is pretty, it's pretty narrow compared to North and South. Um, but like I said, there's a, there's a big forest right in the middle that I kind of want to keep a, I just want to keep that there just for wildlife. I mean, there's, it's only like three acres of it is forested like that, but everything around it is, is about 50, 50 wooded and, and clear. Right. But really, so would goats do well with doing like electric fencing and fencing around. So we, in our back, uh, piece of our property, the south side of our property, it's it's really mixed with like some guilds of, of you know, like an oak tree there, and then mesquite, and uh, some there's some dewberries and poison ivy and yopon, like just a lot of just what you think of as brush, um, but it's kind right. of root in these nice like you can literally you can walk around like if I would have like this group of brush i could walk all the way around it right. and then there's another one and another one in oklahoma we call those thickets okay so if you got yeah. all this grassland and there's a spot of trees here and a clump of trees here we call that a thicket okay i don't know if that's that's just our term we use but i know I, what you're talking I, about i, I think that's probably the term brush yeah talking to someone who's never l- done this life i'm like yes yeah. thicket that's the that's what it is yeah. <laughs> Okay, so as far as the hot wire with goats, I tried a hot wire several times uh, because I wanted to keep them away from the house. I had almost zero success with a hot wire with goats. Um, I would put up, you know, four, five, six strands of hot wire. Wow. I never did try the, the like, the chicken netting that Justin Rhodes does. Yeah. That might work because they can't go through it. Um, with the With the strands of electric hot wire, um, their goat, a goat's hair is so thick. If, if they ever get their head through, they'll just push right through it because there's no resistance that wired, you know, it's not like a super tight fence. Mm-hmm. It usually, if it'll shock them, if they stick their head up to it and it shocks their nose or, you know, somewhere around the eyes where there's less hair, they'll back up, but not always. A lot of times if they get their head through and then it shocks them, they'll just go straight through. Cause it's like, it's shocking them. So they want to run. Away. They want to run from it. They don't run backwards. They run forward. Yeah. So I, I, I had very little success with electric fence for goats. The only success I had was I had a three-wire hot wire around my garden for years, and it would keep the goats out. Goats, mm-hmm. I don't know if this makes sense, but the hot wire would keep the goats out of a small enclosed space. But if I put them in there, like in the wintertime when I plant it in cover crop, if I put a couple of goats in the garden when there was no – 
crops as far as food growing, um, they would be out in an hour. Yeah. Keeping them enclosed in a hot wire, they would, they would be out having that garden with a hot wire around it. I never had a goat go in so weird. They're, they're, they're weird. They don't like to be, you know, enclosed. They don't want to be locked up. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to roam around. Yeah. So maybe the, the electric fencing, the, the poultry nading type fencing like Justin Rhodes uses would work. I just never saw that it was feasible to spend the kind of money it would take to put up that much of yeah. that. Cause that poultry nading is expensive. Yeah. I see. I've seen. So I've art. That's what art and Bree, their, their channel. I think they're, they're getting their goats out of the pasture. They're trying to clear land. Um, mm -hmm. and they're doing that kind of like one little piece. It's not to me, it, it doesn't look like it's a thicket. Um, it's just brush a little bit. And I guess mm -hmm. it's like forested area. They're just kind of trying to do like a rectangle at a time. I guess that was my thought of like, if I could get, if I could get enough fencing around a thicket, I wonder if they would be happy with that. Like of just, well, one thing about goats that I've learned, um, and it's, it's true with every goat I've ever owned. Okay. So with cows, say cows or horses, if it rains, a cow will just stand there. It doesn't bother a cow to be in the rain. Mm -hmm. Goats do not like to get wet. Okay. They, so if, if my goats are out grazing and it starts to sprinkle, it's like a stampede to the barn. Yeah. So the only problem I would see there is if you don't have shelter for them, yeah. Goats, goats don't like to be wet. There's a creek that runs through my property. If you've seen very many of my videos, yeah. it, it crosses our driveway. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what allows me to be able to, to let our goats out to where they're really not fenced into a small area. They can't get to the road. And mm -hmm. let's see, in the seven years we've had goats, I've never had a goat walk across the creek because they refuse to get wet. So, you know, if you're going to be there, well, it, it would just be a lot of work in my opinion, trying to move them around without a shelter where if it's going to rain, then you're going to have to go take the fence down and move them back to their, where they can get into their shelter. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So what, what, you know, like a, what, a what you might be able to do is put your, put your barn. Let's say you fence off your, your whole pasture land that you're going to use mm -hmm. the perimeter fence. Yep. And then if your barn is kind of more towards the middle to where you could say use two two short pieces of the uh, poultry netting where you could set up from the barn and set up a go, you know, two fences, one to the main fence this way and one to the main fence this way. And then you could rotate and just move two pieces of that poultry netting where mm -hmm. you're not trying to keep them in four sides yeah. of just poultry netting. Does that make sense where you're only having to move yeah. one end of each fence every day or whatever. So they can come back into their barn. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what I think. And, and, I do believe that we would have, we would be able to have enough pasture for a milk cow and, you know, her, her calf at some point in, back, in our back part of our properties. Cause that would be roughly three acres of, you know, just hopefully at some point, sometime be pasture with scattered, like the Savannah type look of like some bigger trees with shade. Right. And there's nothing wrong with say you had your your milk cow and and her calf and just a couple goats to help eat because they're going to eat different things the, the goat's yeah. going to eat a lot of the, the underbrush that a cow won't touch usually 
Well, yeah. And, and then that would be the thought is, so, and I guess that's the thing is, have, have you ever done dairy goats? No. Okay. I don't. I have a friend that, that does a few, but like I said, he doesn't, he's retired from the military mm-hmm. and, and he can devote as much time to it as he needs to. He gets tired of it. Like he'll get dairy goats. He got a huge um, meat goat operation. I mean, he usually has 60 to 80 mama goat, meat goats. Mm-hmm. He's just a commercial producer. But he'll usually, he like he enjoys the dairy goat thing. So he'll get two or three and get real, real big into milking every day. And then after about six months, he says, I need a break. So he sells them. And then about six months later, he misses it. So he goes and buys more. Um, I've never really messed with it. Some people say that you can kind of set it up to where it's not as labor intensive as far as keeping your kid, your baby goat, instead of just pulling them and strictly bottom. What a lot of people do is pull them in the evening so that the mama goat builds up milk overnight. They'll milk the mama goat and then put the baby with it for the rest of the day. Keeps them, you know, and then if they don't, if they can't milk the next morning, they just turn the baby in with her. Okay. Still, to me, that's still pretty labor intensive for a busy family. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I never really got into it because one thing was with that friend that had milk goats several times, I would get milk from him and my family just goat's milk. Um, is very, I don't know. It, it's like anything else. If you, if you don't know what you're doing and you're not feeding the goats exactly right, if they're eating just, just a little bit of the wrong kind of grasses or feed or weeds, it changes the taste of the milk. Yeah. And it's so, I mean, from day to day, one, you can milk the same goat today, and then two or three days later, the milk will taste totally different. Mm-hmm. So it's finicky, and my family just never really got used to the taste of goat's milk. Okay. It was a thought process, really. It was a mind, mind thing of they're going, that came from a goat. Yeah. And it's whole unpasteurized it tastes different you know mm-hmm. so there's a learning curve to, to getting used to drinking it in my <laughs> well yeah like I mean, eating it. my family just never made it there yeah there's a farm here in texas uh that that does raw milk like you know cow milk yeah. uh jersey yeah. and it just it, our family loves it and so i think that's the one thing that i i might be able to sell my wife <laughs> to do it uh and that's why for the gold for the goats i'm just I just honestly, I hate clearing land and I don't see us yeah. getting any kind of tractor or anything, um, anytime soon. Um, and so the thought of using them to clear some of the property with the thought that we are going to sell them. Okay. So like whenever you buy a steer and you raise it up, can you do the same mm-hmm. thing? With goats? You can, um, you know, a lot of dairy producers are going to pull, their their kids at you know five six seven days old so you can buy in the you know in the spring around here you can buy um baby dairy goats that that are just days old the bottle feed they're they're like on craigslist they're everywhere and a lot of the males are really cheap because (laughs) you know they're just not going to go on to produce there's only going to be so many billies you know what i mean that people don't need it the overflow of, of male dairy goats. The the little does are usually pretty expensive because they're from a, if they're from a reputable producer, they're going to be more expensive. You know, mm-hmm. um, the problem with 
with doing that is a dairy goat is bred, their body structure is bred and built into them to not produce meat, but milk. So mm-hmm. you don't get, you can, you can go out and raise all these, you know, little Nubian or Alpine or whatever, you know, weathers that have been castrated males. They're just not going to produce a lot of meat for it. Um, mm-hmm. So they're not going to sell, say you keep them for eight months and they get up to 60 pounds, they're not going to sell for as much because there's just not as much meat on them as a true meat goat. With my, my Kikos or, or something that, that's more of a goat, they're going to go from that newborn 10 pounds to 50 pounds a lot faster. They're going to put on muscle because that's what they're bred to do. So could you could you make it profitable with the you know excess dairy goats? It just depends on how much people are going to charge you for their young babies. And then do you want to be bottle feeding? Mm-hmm. Bottle feeding any animal is expensive. Milk replacer cost is expensive. So I don't know. It's it's one of those things with just a few goats. Can you make it profitable? Mm, I don't know. But is it really about making money or is it about clearing your land? Because if it's about clearing your land, they don't really necessarily have to make money because they're doing the job for you, which means you're not out there clearing the land, which saves you money or saves you time. You're not paying someone else to clear the land. So Totally. Yeah, yeah. I think for us, it is clear the land, learn a new skill, animal husbandry from, you know, uh, suburban you know, non like suburban people who have never done this before. And like, so mm-hmm. to take baby steps to be able to do that. And then with the thought that with this animal, we will need an exit strategy because if they do their job correctly, eventually we don't want, we want them to improve the property and not right. cause us a lot of headaches with parasites and everything. Cause that's what Joe Salatin said is like, it's, a goat wants to eat with its head up, and once it has to eat with its head down, that's whenever parasites become a really big issue. Absolutely. And so the thought that eventually they're going to eat themselves out of a job. So how do how do we get rid of them? And is there a market that we can unload them? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, Texas, you're in Texas. Texas is probably one of the largest producers of goats in the country. I mean, every... I can promise you that there are, there are auctions around Oklahoma. There's several just that are just tailored just to goats. Mm-hmm. And 90% of the goats that are sold in Oklahoma are loaded onto a truck and they take them to San Angelo, Texas. San ah. Angelo, Texas is one, is the home of one of the largest goat sales auctions in the country. Like the guy that, that takes my goats, you know, I, I've got a friend that all he, he's basically just an order buyer. He does cattle too, but, his big thing is goats and he, he goes to all these auctions and buys goats for, you know, he'll have, say he's got somebody that says, Hey, I need 300 goats. You know, he goes to all the little auctions and and buys them up, loads them up on a semi and takes them to somebody. And they, then they end up going to San Angelo, Texas once they get to a certain weight. Yeah. Um, So you're in Texas. I can almost guarantee you there's plenty of places to sell goats. Even if you just go with online, if you just list them on Facebook or Craigslist, that, I mean, that was Craigslist. I probably sold more goats over the years on Craigslist than I have anywhere. I mean, there's always. Just to like always, individuals? Just to individuals. And, and I do that with a lot of a lot of my livestock. You know, if I have 
say, you know, I've got a lot of chickens and they're, they hatch out a bunch of babies. And after a few months, I've got all these roosters running around. If I decide I, I don't want to butcher them, I just post them on Craigslist and, <laughs> and they're sold within a couple of days. Usually there's always a place to sell livestock. There's always going to be, you know, somebody looking to buy. Gotcha. Especially Texas. That's good. Okay, good. I'm glad that, that they're, that I never even thought about Craigslist. I don't know why. Um, yeah. I guess I thought that I would have to go to some kind of formal, you know, like auction or something to, to, to get rid of them or to even buy them. So that's a good, it's a good idea. And there's, there's probably more than likely, I mean, I don't know exactly where your, where your farm's going to be, but there's probably a goat auction, not, you know, more than 30, 40 miles away from there. If you're, in yeah, well, Texas. We're, we're, we're right in the middle of Houston, Austin, and Dallas. So we're, we're in that, you know, in the middle of those three big cities. So I, I would assume that there's something in, yeah. you know, around there. Uh, Absolutely. Dude, Daniel, thank you, man. Thank you for, for hopping on and doing this on your Saturday. Uh, for everybody to, to, if they haven't, Seen your channel? How can they find out about you? Well, we're on YouTube, Arms Family Homestead. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, Snapchat. Um, Facebook is easy; it's just Arms Family Homestead. On Instagram, it's it's my name, Daniel Arms. I switched it just because ever all of my I have so many friends that personal friends that are on there that are like I can't find you on Instagram, so I just switched it to my name. And, but right now, for now, we're, it's Arms Family Homestead on YouTube. You know, a lot of times I guess I get to, you know, in a routine of posting videos all the time. And I guess people get the confusion that, that I live full-time here on the property. Well, I do live full-time here. That I, that I, my full-time job is on the, at home. And that's not true. This is just, I, I still work full-time, but this lifestyle, I just want to share with people. YouTube is a way to share. My message is, hey, I'm a full-time family guy. I have a full-time job and we are able to produce so much of our own food just as a hobby almost. I mean, I don't take it super serious. If, if my garden fails, ugh, bummer, but I'm not to the point where I have to depend on that to survive. Anybody can go out in, in their garden. They can change their, their flower beds from tulips to tomatoes and, and produce some of their own food. That's what I want to check across to people. Once you go out and produce some of your own food, whether it's vegetables or rabbits or, you know, whatever, there's just an awesome feeling of like, like I did this and that's, that's what I'm about. Well, so yeah, go check out Arms Family Homestead. Daniel, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, man. Good luck. Wasn't that awesome? I hope that you all enjoyed that. Before I let you go, I wanted to be able to remind you that if you like this podcast, please go to the iTunes store and give us a review. We we see a lot of all y'all that are downloading this, but the reviews are a little bit less. So you're downloading it, but you're not reviewing it. This is a great way that iTunes will promote us. We need you to get in there. Give us those reviews. Give us those written reviews. We love them and keep those coming. Please go over there and review us on iTunes. Also, if you want to support this podcast, please do your Amazon shopping over at betteramz.com. That's betteramz.com. 
Oh yeah, and then also don't forget to check out our income expense report over at bettertogetherlife.com slash report. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. It's better together because you're here.